0: Hello, welcome to Start the Week with Lorna and Lottie or Lottie and Lorna, you choose. Uh I'm Lorna Leeson and this is Lottie Dell Say hi Lottie. Hi. Lottie. <laughs> hi Lottie. We are back for episode number two of Start the Week with Lorna and Lottie. Incredibly Lottie. Some people listened to us last week. We have a graph. We, we have a graph that tells, tells us. We, We have a very nice graph from the nice people at Poppin. It's a very scientific graph that
1: that went up. It went up, but it did exactly what it was supposed to do.
0: It it did. People listened and downloaded and walked their dogs, apparently, and laughed, apparently. And so here we are. We're back. And we are back this week talking about... What are we talking about, Lottie?
1: We are going to be talking about... um, Lack of
0: diversity in
1: groups and groupthink, and how that can lead to poor decisions. Based on a little reflection I've been doing about a very famous um, event that I was involved with back in the late 90s, um, which having reflected on it over the years made me realize actually that a lot of the stuff that we talk about and write about and think about now is so relevant to that experience that I had as a very junior um advertising executive back at that time. Mm, mm.
0: And you and I have talked about this um this incident over the over the years a, a couple of times but I know that it's really been on your mind recently because lots of other things that I think are on the theme of groupthink and lack of diversity and the cultures that create those kinds of environments have have been coming to the forefront. So do you want to sort of walk our listeners through i love saying that our listeners both of them through um (laughs) through the incident that uh that's been playing on your mind
1: yeah i will do um so i was part of the team involved in the um famous gail porter projection onto the house of parliament back in 1999 um it was part of what was called back then the 100 sexiest women in the world Uh, It was also a a hallmark of what can only be described as kind of a a toxic masculinity, I think, that Mm. enabled um, events like that to take place. Um, Contrary to what the media publicised, and my goodness, it it hit the newsstands on every single major um, newspaper here and and abroad. It was just me and three guys on Westminster Bridge at midnight projecting Gail onto the Houses of Parliament. Um, All well and good, you think, potentially, but no one ever asked her permission to do it. She'd naively signed away the rights to a shoot that she'd done for the magazine and um, the all-male team on both the client and agency side decided that what would be really great in the spirit of commerciality and selling loads of copies of the magazine was to um, project her... um, Yeah, 100 foot naked body onto the side of the Houses of Parliament. And you know what? At the time, as a young, voiceless, junior female in an all-male team, I don't think I really thought that deeply about it. But over the years, it's just something that's come back. um, And I've I've reflected and I've read things about Girl over the years and how she said that her mental health deteriorated as a result of what we did. Um, and then I've just finished reading Matthew Syed's book, Rebel Ideas, and it just chimed with me that actually, you know, what led us to do something like that was such little thought. Um, and also, you know, feeling adult feminist me, feeling kind of kind of guilty for the part that I had to play, albeit a small one, in perpetuating that brand of Toxic masculinity that allowed us to commoditize um, women.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's um, you're not you're probably not alone. In fact, there's an article in um, one of the uh, national newspapers this weekend from a, a female journalist who was around at the same time uh, as this happened and was very much, as you say, part of that culture. And she talks about the sense of um, guilt and shame that she feels around this time. But what I'm curious about is the, the conditions that created it, because the way you've described this to me, and I, th- I think, yes, absolutely. It's easy to label this as toxic masculinity. But what you've been talking to me about is something very specific, which is the lack of diversity in the groupthink in this environment that made it very difficult to either see a different perspective to this idea, to, to think about the implications or ramifications of this idea or for anybody who had maybe thought that through to have a voice tell me a bit more about about that what happened
1: yeah well I think that's exactly it I mean it just happened to be all men it happened to be all men and and, and just me and um I think what was evident is that The female voice almost on either side, the female voice from the celebrity that was about to be projected or the female voice from within that group Mm. was not a voice that needed to be considered Um, and it had all of the hallmarks of what I've just been reading in in Matthew Syed's book about Mm. how where you have a group where you either have characteristics of groupthink and there are so many different examples of much more catastrophic incidents that have resulted as a result of groupthink and groups where there is simply not enough diversity can lead to decisions like the one that we made being made
0: yeah and it's interesting isn't it I mean your voice Gail Porter's voice I can't imagine any of the voices of the women who had to work in the House of parliament that day and walked or were one thinking about running for politics and you know the only way that you kind of get into the houses of parliaments at that scale is to have your naked ass projected on, onto the, the side of the building it's just none of those voices were, were taken into account so did you at the time you said it didn't occur to you and I find that really fascinating because I know what a, um, a strong woman you are you're raising a strong young woman yourself two of them and um, so I, I know the stance that you take on these kinds of things and I know you but you almost normalized that environment right
1: yeah i think Tell so me more.
0: Uh, well normalized it because
1: it was unfortunately i mean i think you have to look at it within the context of the era that it was mm. this was the late 90s where there was an entirely permissible commo- commo- commoditization of the female body anyway yeah
0: um
1: and i think when you're caught up in that environment in that culture in that way of thinking and being and advertising was still largely very dominated very male dominated dominated mm. by a certain social class um, it didn't it, it you know kind of almost ironically didn't encourage diversity of thinking because there were so many people of the same type essentially mm. Um and I can remember well a couple of years later they were they they'd recognized it. They did have the they did have the ability to recognise the fact that there was a massive lack of diversity in advertising. And they actually created a test called the Diagonal Thinking Test that the Institute of Practitioners in Advertising developed. And the purpose of that test was to put it out to um people from um different types of backgrounds, put it into kind of schools in lower lower socioeconomic areas for example to try and encourage um people who had great lateral and and linear thinking skills to maybe be encouraged into the world of advertising so it was definitely something that was being recognized and being addressed um but certainly not at the time that, that gail was being projected
0: yeah yeah and i think it it's curious isn't it because as you just said the 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 spectrum of diversity that had been recognized and, and not addressed was the the class class and income based spectrum of diversity right so you'd said one of the elements of lack of diversity was that we all tended to be um of a certain social class and a certain edu- educational yeah way. white white public school largely right than, right? right and you can so, see
1: that if you did think of that in government i mean you can just it's yeah. so interesting to see the parallels between the two and i think how the advertising industry has made absolute giant steps in increasing its diversity i think it's done a really 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 good job but when you look yep. at when you look at government today and 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 still they have an absolute lack of diversity of thinking mm. and you know there's something about they're, do, they're obviously doing the COVID inquiry at the moment and um the ppe equipment that were given to the healthcare workers would have been designed for men approved by men Mm. And the men at the top don't even now recognise that there was a problem, even though it's being presented to them. They 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 still can't see it.
0: Yeah. And in fact, when a woman did try and speak up and it's been it's been so fascinating noting the, the, you know, what's come out of the the Covid inquiry. So um, the woman who who tried to to try to speak up, um, there's an email from her and it's almost apologetic. In the way that she's trying to speak up, right, because her voice has been so diminished in that environment that being able to be heard, you have to kind of sort of sidle in sideways and not upset anybody in a way. And so bringing this back to to Matthew Syed, because I think one of the really interesting things that one of the dots that you've been joining this week, and we've had some really fascinating conversations in the past couple of weeks about this, is that It is all very well to say, well, this is—I don't know—sexism, misogyny. It could be racism in a different sphere. It could be classism. But actually, this idea of true diversity of thinking, which bridges all of all of these things, and the risks that happen when you don't have that true diversity of thought and experience and um, and values in a way. So, tell me more about what Matthew Syed says and what's the book called? The book's called Rebel Ideas. Okay. Um, And it's
1: really all about the power of diverse thinking. And so he explores the um, concept that diverse thinking and perspectives are crucial for innovation and for problem solving. And what he does, and I really recommend that everyone reads it, he draws on lots of real world examples, everything from 9 11, how he begins the book by essentially. laying the blame for the lack of realisation that 9-11 was a phenomenon that could occur due to the lack of diversity within the certain groups up at the top of America. Um, He talks about um, expeditions to Everest and how deference to the leader can result in people's voices not being heard. Um, He talks about lots of examples from the world of, of medicine and um, yeah, he, he, draw, and he, and he talks, it's not, you know, it's not necessarily, like you said, it's diversity in all its forms. Yes.
0: And yeah. how because you need. It's very easy for organisations and leaders to think diversity. Okay. I'm going to check the diversity checkbox. I need to look at that through the gender, sexuality, sure, race and ethnicity lenses, Um, potentially, a, you know, disability. And if I've, if I've solved all of that, then I'm, I'm, I'm good. But diversity, well, I think, you know, good organizations and leaders have moved on from talking about diversity for first of all because they recognize that diversity is a little bit of a kind of a it's a mathematics it's, and accounting exercise, right? How many of each have we got? Yeah. Um and, and we we began talking about inclusion, which really thinks about, okay, but have Have different people got a seat at that at the table so it's no good just being in the organization but are they in the place where decisions are being made do they feel part of that organization but one step beyond that which is what most organizations worth their salt these days are um, talking about thinking about is this sense of belonging which sort of brings us back full circle and belonging being is my voice listened to and respected in a way so not just am i heard but am i respected and my ideas listened to and respected and then certainly is it helen mcnamara from the the covert inquiry the um the deputy cabinet secretary whose voice was not listened to or respected in that yeah. environment so that sense of belonging wasn't there but that really plays into something else you were saying which is that this idea of my voice being listened to and respected is kind of one of the four pillars of um of the
1: yeah, absolutely. And you know, and of course, and then just to touch on another concept that Saad explores, and we, we touched on this last week, is kind of this idea of psychological safety, which ties right into DEI. It ties right into um, ensuring that people's voices are heard. In order to create that environment, you've got to have a psychologically safe environment in the first place where people feel that they are able to express their ideas, their feelings, their views. And absolutely, employee voice is one of the four core enablers of a high performing culture Um, and when you are genuinely tapping into employee voice you will as a natural result of that create an environment where you are gaining diversity in your opinions because you are spreading your request for thoughts and ideas sentiment to the widest possible group and we're not just talking about the annual engagement survey we're talking about tapping into employee voice all the year round i've got a really interesting example of this actually that our, our listeners might find of interest and okay. it's from marks and spencer marks and spencer have um developed a really pioneering approach to employee voice and it's called i believe it's called um Suggest- to Steve which then turned into suggest to Stuart when the new CEO came in which was really very handy that they got a new <laughs> S in as the CEO the
0: selection criteria I think it probably Must was have board level experience and a name beginning with And best. a name beginning with S because we've got a really
1: good employee listening program and we're not changing its name because we love the right, iteration The internal communications and HR had that level of sway. Yeah exactly <laughs> uh, all our problems would go away. Um, and, yeah, and assen- essentially, it, it's a way to give employees a, a, a line of sight to the CEO. They're allowed to ask them any, him anything. They're allowed to suggest any ideas. And he genuinely listens to those ideas. He genuinely encourages the diversity of thinking and ideas from his broad employee population. And he acts on them and he demonstrates that innovation has created success within, within m and I think it's I think it's brilliant.
0: Do you know it's so interesting what came up for me when you were talking about that was um i've realized by the way that it's so interesting is one of my little vocal ticks. so if i say that a hundred times um over the next 10 podcasts you can
1: i'll do fire it you. I'll, f- I'll fire you know i'll fire you i'll find copy. a new l i need a new l uh, oh hello you good can... luck with lucinda or whoever she is oh, i don't like um, lucinda she can't come
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh not a laura though anyway what came up sorry for, laura's sorry any laura's listening out there may, maybe Elisa. you can have a Lisa. anyway Thanks. not another lorna no lucinders right gone right off topic let's bring it back. sorry talking about and um And you and I were at a conference the other week that you co-hosted where um, somebody from GlaxoSmithKline talked talked about a very similar mechanism and programme within their organisation, which was this idea of very openly asking senior leadership questions, which were then answered very openly to the whole organisation. And nothing was
1: off limits, was it? That's what I loved about that.
0: Nothing was off limits. Nothing was off limits. Everything got, got addressed. And it reminds me of a time when I worked for an organization that had just gone, just been acquired, just just going through an an acquisition, just been acquired. And the incoming CEO said to all global employees said exactly this. If you want to, you know, if there's anything you want to ask me, just ask me. And I thought I will test this theory. So I emailed him and I didn't get a reply from him. But I did get hauled into our UK CEO's office and had a, um, a semi telling off for being so impertinent as to ask the wrong kind of question to the global chief executive. and I, it wasn't an offensive question I wasn't like what color are your pants Brad? yeah it wasn't that yeah. right it was um, <laughs> it really wasn't and it was genuinely you know the kind of question that I knew that lots of people wanted to know the answer to but it was the wrong kinds of questions so when you so do what, this what, culture,
1: so what, Yeah. So what culture did you have then that led to that not being permissible then clearly the wrong kind of culture not listening well, open culture
0: I mean i'll tell you another story from that organization and if anybody from the organization is listening today it's you know i say all well, this with love they're just learnings so and the love but my <laughs> god um so i remember sitting in the boardroom ironically enough presenting to the executive team on female talent and i got all the data that told us that we've got females female women in the organization i really hate it when people call women females it makes me it gives me the it, it. Um, makes me itch properly please don't do it anybody women um so women women were underrepresented in the organization anyway but they were fairly evenly represented to a certain level kind of mid-management level and then it fell off a cliff that's pretty classic right right very classic very normal not unusual at all the kind of conundrum that most boards and executive teams worth their soul are, are noodling on a lot i'd presented this data and it Went down like a rat sandwich, quite frankly. And it was just the data, but I think being so, I'd spent the first ten minutes of this meeting not being part of the conversation because the conversation was about football, and I knew bugger all about football. And then I'd done my little presentation and started the debate about um, representation of women in the organisation. Hadn't gone down well, particularly with my boss, who was the HR director at the time. didn't Didn't like the fact that I was pointing this out, and. Um, at one point, uh one of the um gentlemen in the room who I I was very fond of, I'm still very fond of him, um, said, Well, you know, Lorna, these if these people, and I can't even remember what his point was, right? <laughs> because it, the environment was so l- lacking in diversity that women were these people, right? These
1: people, yeah.
0: Women were others. And reading your list about what Matthew Saeed talks about in terms of the elements of groupthink, conformity. Everybody conforms to the majority opinion, even if they privately disagree. Suppression of dissent. I certainly felt like me bringing a different point of view into the room was being suppressed. An illusion of invulnerability. There certainly wasn't a sense in that room of um, curiosity or fallibility or or vulnerability. Rationalisation. I remember walking out of the room with my male boss and them telling me that the reason that the data was a certain way was because of X, Y and Z and actually and st- stereotyping outsiders stereotyping As in, and you outsiders, just refer to in the women the, the, the women being the others right women being othered pressure for uniformity and i certainly felt the pressure to fall in line and to drop the topic so that um you know was a a real kind of visceral experience of being an outsider in in group think and i know you know i'm not unique every woman i know who's worked in most organizations and stuck around for long enough has experienced something similar but um the well, irony any, any the,
1: probably marginalized groups to be honest
0: yeah absolutely in the eye uh, more so actually you know i've got the privilege of being white um and from a you know well educated and i went to university and so you know, speak with a with a, a fairly generic accent. Um, I think I'm, I'm able bodied. You know, I've got all sorts of privilege it that would have made it okay for me to be in that room. But the fact was, I was talking about the one thing that didn't. And the irony was that this was a this was an inclusion and belonging issue. And we were talking about diversity through the lens of talent, through the lens of why we need people. With diverse sets of experiences, look and sound and think a different way in the organization because it's good for business, and just being able to have that conversation was coming up against the blockers,
1: yeah so it,
0: your group think excellent, and so I think one of the
1: kind of one of the ways that we can kind of help people listening if they want to kind of encourage more diversity, I think it's you know be clear about be clear about what you mean by diversity, inclusion yes. and belonging be be clear be clear on what you mean about that. And as a really simple step to making sure you're not falling into the trap of groupthink, Use platforms, technology, techniques to tap into your employee voice as much as you possibly can. Listen to what they have to say. Reflect it back do something about it you know there's that old cliche that says that um you know survey fatigue it's not that people have survey fatigue they've got fatigue with people not listening to them and not reflecting back and not doing what they've asked them to do that's why people don't fill in surveys because they don't think anything will ever change
0: yeah, which comes back to the belonging piece, right? You've included me in the survey, but you've not listened to or respected my voice in terms of listening and doing something with it. So, you know, that's truly shifting you on from belonging. And I think being clear about what you mean by diversity, inclusion and belonging and how you know when you've got it, you know, is, is so, so critical. And so many organisations are still stuck in the days of, of counting differences. Right. How many women have we got? How many people of colour have we got? How many um you Know people with disabilities, if we got they're reliant on the data, they're reliant on self reporting. What they're not really doing is fostering this environment of psychological safety from the ground up while they also go out and try and, um, and truly build and shape an organization that's truly diverse.
1: Yeah. And I know you're fond of we're quite fond of hats because we talked about hats last week, didn't we? <laughs> and we're going to talk about hats again. And if we ever do this as a visual podcast can you have a visual <laughs> podcast can you is that an oxymoron
0: is
1: can that a vlog? that would be a vlog. if we ever a do blog? a vlog we shall wear a variety of hats anyway you've got you've got a really interesting and quite simple way for people to think about problem solving through the lens of diversity haven't you and it involves hats
0: <laughs> everything Lottie is made better with a hat well, I think. not it yeah nothing nothing is is lessened by the addition of a hat in my opinion um, so, well, I think there's two things. So, uh, as you are working to change this culture in your um, teams or your board meetings or ex- your executive teams or your groups of people that you're working in, you sort of have to bake it into the process to remind yourselves to. To look at things from different perspectives and there is a very well-worn exercise from um, a psychologist called Edward de Bono and he came up with a concept called the six thinking hats and if you google de Bono hats you will find um lots of information on it, but basically, um, De Bono said that if you can literally, and you can physically bring different colored hats into the room if you feel like being a bit jaunty that day, but you give people permission to think in a number of different ways and to look at the topic that you're talking about from a number of different angles. So he says if you've given a white hat, you look at this through the lens of facts. So if you're given a red hat, feelings, a black hat, cautions or what could go wrong. A yellow hat benefits or what could go right. A green hat creativity and a blue hat process. What are we going to do? What's next? So an example from your FHM days. Well, I was going to say
1: it's a shame that we didn't go through this exercise. And if we had, what kinds of things might have we come up with, do you think?
0: Well, I mean, if you've given somebody the um, the job of thinking about feelings, okay. and and it's not just how do we feel but how do the people who are impacted by this feel how would gail porter feel how does everybody around the room feel about this mm. um what's our feelings about it and they are genuinely allowed by the way because it might be that everyone goes yeah i'm fine with it i'm fine with it but you have to have that base of psychological safety for this to for people to be truly honest about how they're feeling i think that might have changed things i think cautions you know and it, I, it might still have been that the overarching culture at that time will have said, well, you know, caution to the wind. Really. It's still OK. So, and it's that, you know, no such thing as bad PR. But, right? but what I mean. we might what we might have done, and this is the thing I regret, what we might have done
1: is to have actually contacted Gail Porter to say, we know you've given us the rights to use your image. We're thinking of projecting you onto the House of Parliament. Would this be a good thing for you or would this not be a good thing for you? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I'm willing to bet at that time you could probably have found other women who would have been happy to be projected onto the side of the Houses of Parliament. And it just so happens that by removing Gail Porter's agency in that decision, so this side, you know, one thing that you would probably come up as being cautious as she might not want it, it might, she might not like it, we might, you know, it would it be better for us to find somebody who was equally as excited and, you know, kind of, felt this was as, as cool and subversive an act as we do to have their bum on, on mm. the side of the Houses of Parliament. And it would have been no different, you know, I don't know how Kelly Brook would have felt or Denise Van Outen or whoever else was on the cover of FHM, but they may at that time have gone, I'd be happy stick my yeah. ass up. There. Yeah. Um. of course, what you've got playing out there is another pro and con, which is the facts, right, which is if you do that, someone's going to want paying for it. And I imagine, you didn't pay her for it either because she'd signed her image rights away so you know you can see how that conversation would have had a richness though had she put
1: these hats and you can see when you've had no dissenting voices in the room because you've got a lack of diversity in group thing you can see how none of these things would have been considered because we were all just taken away on exactly the same um well I say no. we I mean I can't remember how exactly how I felt at the time but all, all I can remember is that we were all so Thrilled and so excited, and there was not one there was not one dissenting voice. No one had there was literally not one dissenting voice. No.
0: So the other process before we close on um things that you can do here and now in a room and meeting in a team with this, if you look up Nancy Klein, The Thinking Environment, and her rules for a thinking in um, an environment in a meeting that creates the space for people to think well. And of course, that's exactly what was happening at FHM, as you weren't thinking well, you were just excited, high on the adrenaline, the dopamine of having sure. this brain creative idea. Yeah. But um, a thinking environment, according to Nancy Klein, needs equality, equality of voice. It needs everyone to be heard. It needs the ability for you to bring your feelings into the room. It needs an ease in that discussion. And so if you look at, look up, I'm not going to go into it in too much detail yeah. because of time, but if you look up, a thinking environment meeting rules there are some very simple effective things that you can do but i'm going to tell you now will feel really uncomfortable if you're trying them for the first time because they are just not what we do in meetings we don't go around the table and ask everybody what they think we do skirt over emotions and difficult stuff we you know do rush things we do interrupt so it's useful to have a look at thinking environment as well so Actually, just summarise, yeah. what have we talked about? Well, actually, I was going to say it's really interesting as well. Just
1: quickly going back to Matty's side, what you were saying about Naomi Klein, um, he says that actually, in, in in a meeting, something like there's a, a tiny proportion of people who take up the majority of the air, the, the airtime. Yeah. Which yeah. Just just sum up, and then we'll just touch on what we're going to yeah. talk about it's, next it's week. It's Naomi Klein, not
0: Naomi Klein's. Oh, I'm
1: sorry, no, I always say that
0: she's 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 no she's no, lo- she's no logo. She's no just logo, just, and i yeah yeah. Um, we just got Kleins on the brain. Um. Uh, I was going to talk about pants then. I don't know why it's the second time I've mentioned pants in this podcast. Talk well, about actually, pants. I do. I
1: will tell you yeah. one fun thing that I did do for FHM and that was to set a world record by creating the largest pair of um, the largest pair of underwear. Bra and knickers, really? strong strong across um Oxford Circus. Yeah, that was fun, and that okay, hurt nobody.
0: It's weird because I've got my very very best friend used to work for FHM, and she created an actual world record while at FHM as well. So both you and her have created world records for random things. So much in common. Anyway, FHM. let's let's
1: yeah let's sum up. You were going to give us a couple of key learnings, and then
0: um I'm going to try and remember what we talked about. So first of all, be really clear what you mean about diversity, belonging, and inclusion, and how you know when you have them. Yeah, um, make
1: sure you're tapping broadly into employee voice so you get that diversity of thinking.
0: Completely. Make sure that you have some deliberate mechanisms and processes in your areas where actually you're at risk of groupthink to try and counter it. And two off, off the top of our heads are Debono's Hats and Nancy Klein's thinking
1: environment so yeah. just and the, I, was, I was
0: just going to add as well as a leader
1: just be aware of the power that you've got in the uh, old established hierarchical structures just yeah, be aware yeah. of that and make sure you create a psychologically safe environment for people to genuinely be able to say yeah. things you might not be comfortable with them
0: saying and to, and to challenge and to be feel safe it. to challenge Totally. John Amici calls that the, the, the long shadow that you cast as a leader. Um, and you know, just be aware that people will be clamouring to agree with you and tell you how brilliant your ideas are just because of the job title that you hold.
1: Brilliant. So, okay, lovely. And so kind of just kind of segueing into um what we might be talking about next week, we were thinking of having a little bit of discussion about how hybrid working and the virtual meeting space has kind of democratized that space for. People. Um, yeah. And we'll explain more next week. But it's kind of it's something that I've been mulling over ever since we went into lockdown and I changed to doing a lot of my meetings online and the um shift in power that I felt I got from that. So we're going to have a little bit of an explore about that, I think,
0: next week. Um, wonderful. Can't wait. Have a wonderful week, Lottie. Brilliant. You Lucinda, too. Or Lucinda, or whoever comes back with you next week. I don't <laughs> know who that will be. Um, if you can't find Lisa and Lucinda, you'll see me. Sorry, about I, might that. Get, I might get Lily, my 11 year old. Lily. Lily. Lily can come. Yes, let's do that. Lots and Lily. Lily, and I'll have a lion. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. <laughs> Bye. Bye.